0: Your personal Pentecost. Take a moment of time right now to think of the day or the hour or the time that you first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can you think of it right now? Where you were, what was going on, your age perhaps. Maybe you can't remember all of that, but I, I can remember the place and I can remember the time, the year that I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can, it, the place is gone now but I can, I can take you to the spot on the earth where I received the Holy Ghost Amen I remember where I was baptized in Jesus name in that horse tank the water was cold as the song said it chilled my body but not my soul Amen I was washed clean by the blood of the Lamb Amen so that's a wonderful day wonderful time for each of us but we celebrate it today on Pentecost Sunday you have your Bible and would turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and we will read a couple of verses in this first chapter of the book of Acts. How many is going to preach with me this morning? Acts chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says here, And when they were come in, they went in up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all, everybody say all. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. you drop down to verses 24 and 25. And they prayed and said, Lord, thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he may go to his own place. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus, for your word right now. I was thinking as we were singing the song there today and talking about as the waters of the sea cover the earth. I've always, although I was born right here in this very city, so I, I was born in a landlocked area. We do have a river, but nothing that would compare to the sea. But I've always been fascinated with salt water with sea. I can almost remember the very first time that I acknowledge we came over the rise there in Florida and uh, there's a ridge of sand that uh, A1A runs along, right along the ocean. And over the years, the decades and millenniums, uh, the wind and the storms have pushed up this ridge of sand along, uh, if it's a barrier island or along the shoreline. I can remember coming up as we were uh, anticipating seeing the ocean. And I had heard it described, but I had never seen it that I could remember. And as we came up that rise and uh, the, the road there, I could see as far into the distance as my eye could see it was nothing but water everywhere. And what I remember on this particular day were the waves. And not large waves, but just white caps. And the wind was blowing and it fascinated me so much um, to, to see the water in that way. And I've always, since that time, um, I've been very fascinated with the ocean and how it works. I, I, I was reading about um, the revival that happened at Azusa Street and how the Spirit of God is what the Scripture calls poured out, how the Spirit of God was poured out. You know, when people gather together to pray, when people gather together and get in one mind, when this, this accord of seeking after God, something happens in the lives of those individuals that gather together. I was talking to MIT this morning and was describing how a lot of times we don't pray because... It's not a tangible experience. It, there are not immediate effects that we can see many times because we want to see the effects of the actions that we perform. I talked about mowing the grass. How, why I like to mow the grass is because there is an immediate result. I get to see the line uh, where I've mowed the grass and, and it gives me satisfaction to have accomplished something. But Sometimes you get up from prayer and you're not, you're not sure what you have accomplished. You know that there is a good feeling in your soul and your spirit because you've touched God and you've been ministered to by the presence of God. But you really can't many times tangibly, tangibly put your hand on what you have accomplished during this season of prayer, and this time, this hour, however long that you've spent ministering to the Lord. But prayer is so powerful. And as the writer, he Frank Bartleman, he wrote about the revival that happened at Azusa Street. And the title of his book was Another Wave Rolls In. And I've always likened the Holy Spirit in my mind to the waves of the sea and how they roll in. It just, uh, you can't stop the sea. You can't, it changes constantly and it's a variable. Sometimes the waves are uh, uh, blustery. They're billowing they're large and they come crashing down and sometimes because of the wind and the currents the waves are are still or they're calm or it's very slight but the, it's always changing and the Holy Spirit in our life is, is always changing it's moving God has moods and he has uh, ways that he is working in in my life and in your life and then, And I've always been fascinated how the Spirit of God has moved in my life. It seems sometimes I can go a day without really spending a lot of time thinking about the Lord or thinking about the goodness of God and you're caught away with other things and you're caught away with doing things in life and it seems that the presence of God just kind of swoops in and and reminds you of where you are and reminds you of who you are and reminds you of what's going on in your life and and i feel that presence of god and i say yes lord i remember i remember your presence i remember your anointing i remember the holy ghost uh, and lord you see my heart you see my heart's desire and i've gotten caught away with life and i've gotten caught away with doing things and being productive but lord i never want to become so uh, so caught away and so energized with th- this life that i forget about the real thing is being in your presence. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. Can I get a witness amen tonight, this morning? And these individuals, the Bible says they were gathered in this upper room. They went to this place. They abode there. Peter, James, and John and it enumerates all the individuals of Jesus' disciples. And verse 14 says, and these all continued. These all continued in prayer. I've said it before. I'll say it over and over again. And I'll say it in your hearing this morning. We started this thing in prayer. We continue this life of walking with God in prayer. And we are going to get out of here in prayer. Amen. I heard a song yesterday that I want to be sung at my funeral. Amen. And it was a, it was a kind of a dancing, shouting song. It said, uh, I want to leave this world speaking in tongues. Amen. And that's how I want to leave this world. I want to leave this world speaking in tongues. At least I'll be able to move my mouth. If I can't move anything else, I'll move my mouth and say, God, I want to give you praise and glory and thanksgiving. I want to be able to honor the Lord Jesus. I want another wave of the Holy Ghost to sweep me from this world and take me from this life into the life to come. Somebody shout amen. Well, the church was born in the upper room. The church was born in a prayer meeting. The church was born in a spiritual experience. The church was created with people gathered together. It wasn't just a board meeting. It wasn't just a, a meeting of we're going to create an association or, or an organization here. It was a group of people that were waiting as the Holy Spirit to For the Holy Spirit to come upon them, and Jesus told them, Tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued, until you be baptized, until you be clothed, until you be saturated with power from on high. You see, that's what we need is the saturation of the Holy Ghost. If we're going to affect our lives and the lives of our family, we've got to be saturated with the power of the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul. Paul told Timothy he said be full of the Holy Ghost you've got to be full of the Holy Ghost you can't really accomplish anything for God without being full of the Holy Ghost you can accomplish things of this world and men will give you pats on the back and they'll give you accolades and say they're doing a great job. But God's standing with his arms crossed and saying, when are you going to call me in? When are you going to allow me to work? I want God's spirit to work. I want the Holy Ghost to work. I want to be stirred up in the Holy Ghost. I want my mind to be fixed on the Holy Ghost because that's really the some total of living in this life is to be full of the Holy Ghost. Describing the winds and the waves and how many ever been on a, a, a ship of any sizeable any size. I've been on several ships and uh, sailing ships are different than ships powered by uh, oil or coal or gas or diesel. They're driven by the wind. And I've only spent a little bit of time on a wind-driven uh, boat, or not a ship, but just a small boat. And if you get into open water, they call it blue water. I've only been there a little bit. But uh, the waves, uh, they, they call it following seas. And the sea is pushing and the winds are blowing and it's going the same direction. You have to be careful as the waves get larger and larger because uh, it will get behind the 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 boat and start pushing it, and it will actually overwhelm the boat and push it sideways and call it to what we call pitch-polling. If the wave gets so high and the boat's up here, the, the boat will just start tumbling over and over. And so you have to have an anchor, we call a sea anchor. You, it's tied onto, securely onto the back of the boat and you throw it out, and you probably have 50 to 100 feet of rope hanging out there, and what it does, it slows the boat down so that the waves aren't able to turn it sideways and cause it to pitch over and over. It's an anchor. You know, the Holy Ghost uh, in this life that we live is an anchor. I have an anchor. I have an anchor. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, That's why I come to church. Uh, I come to church because I love you, uh, but I really come to church because I really love the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Amen. And I really need... uh, to experience the power of God. I've said this before, I'll say it again in your hearing uh, that I get a little ADHD with with boring church. When things get a little boring, uh, I want somebody to shout, Hallelujah! I want somebody to say, Oh Gloria! I need the Holy Ghost Jesus. Uh, Stir that gift that's in me. Amen. The Bible says, and they were all in the upper room. There wasn't one group over here praying uh, and another group over here uh, counseling together who they were going to have as uh, the next disciple or who was going to be the next superintendent. Uh, They were all together. The Bible said they were praying uh, and they did have an election. But they had a prayer meeting following. Amen. And that prayer meeting, they were all together. They're praying. And when we all get together, something about you say, what are you doing this morning today, Pastor? I'm trying to encourage your mind to come together. I'm trying to encourage you to say I'm going to pray and see the presence of God, the Spirit of God take hold in my heart and so that I can change the world that I live in. We can shake our head and we can wag our tongues about uh, the events of the world and, and how much terrible uh, evil there is in the world and all the circumstances that are going on. You read the news and you see things that are just terrible, terrible, terrible. But we can come to the house of God and say, Lord, this is a place where I receive a refreshing. The scripture says they were all, they all joined Constantly in prayer. Somebody say constantly in prayer. Their praying was persevering and it was steadfast. There is no suggestion that they all lived in the upper room, but that the Holy Ghost does record they were constantly in prayer. Ten days. The Bible says they were up there ten days. What would happen in this church if I could convince everybody to come here and you say, well, I've got jobs and I've got lives, I understand, but I've just... Let me fantasize as a pastor for a little bit, amen? If we could get everybody to come together and pray for 10 days. I mean you were in fervent prayer for 10 days. I believe uh, with all of my heart uh, that we would turn the world upside down here, beginning here in Richmond, Indiana. Why? Because the collective power of this 120 people praying in the upper room, shook the very city of Jerusalem. The Bible says that there were people in that area, they'd come for the Feast of Pentecost, and they were there and they heard all this commotion and people speaking in tongues and shouting and dancing and running around. And they said, what meaneth at this? What's going on? If this is a party, why didn't I get an invitation? And Peter said, this is that. This was what was prophesied thousands of years ago that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. What would happen? Can you imagine with me in here today, we could have Pentecost, real Pentecost. Is it it too inconceivable to think that we could come here and for 10 days could you take a 10-day vacation? Could you take a 10-day and say, I'm just going to spend 10 days? I remember a mother, her son had an appendicitis attack and he, it, the appendix had burst and they took him to a hospital uh, in Chicago, Illinois, a children's hospital, hospital there and, and it, there he was and uh, they it got to the point where he was dying and they had tubes coming out of of many parts of his body trying to drain the poison that had spread throughout his body. And his mother got desperate. She moved to the hospital. You know, when our world gets into a place in a position where we get desperate, we decided she abandoned everything. She said, I'm moving to the hospital. I'm not, my son is not born again. He's not been filled with the Holy Ghost. And he Has to have the Holy Ghost. He's not in the position right now to receive it. So I'm going to go up there and I'm going to pray. And she moved to the hospital and started praying. Well, it didn't happen the first day she was there. But she had made up in her her mind. You know, these 120 that were in the upper room, they had made up their mind. We are going to see something happen. She got up there and started praying, and, and uh, she moved in, had a little cot or a little bed or, or sofa, whatever she was sleeping on, and she started praying. Amen. She didn't have her trailer outside that she was uh, going to stay in, you know, on the off hours. She started praying, and uh, the, the actually got to the case where she was praying so much in tongues uh, They called the pastor, and the pastor said, well, I think she's okay, but I'll come up. And they tried somebody who spoke Spanish, and they couldn't communicate with her. They tried somebody else who I think spoke Russian. They couldn't communicate with her. They tried somebody else who who could speak, and she was just talking in tongues. You know what was happening? She was getting a hold of God. She was getting in the spirit. Amen. Uh, You know, we can get in the spirit on the Lord's day. Just like the apostle John did uh, that wrote the book of Revelation. He said, I was in the spirit uh, on the Lord's day. It's possible for every one of us to get in the spirit on the Lord's day but we're too ingrained sometimes with our own life and our own tradition and our own living life by rote. You can't live this life by rote. You become a Christian if you live this life by rote. I want to be an apostolic. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to have the anointing of God in my heart and mind. I told MIT this morning, I said, you know, talking about Brother Smith Wigglesworth, he is known for his healing Ministry, but before he had a healing ministry, he had a prayer ministry, and that's the ministry that he ended up with when he was too old to actually perform in the healing ministry. He said that uh, brother T. Windross' father, Bill Dross, when in World War II he had been drafted and he was a Canadian, got drafted into the army. He went over to the United Kingdom, and he decided he had some R and R. And uh, he wasn't interested in going partying like the rest of the soldiers were. He said, I'm going to go see uh, Brother Wigglesworth. And so he got up to his house and knocked on the door. And, and, went in, and his uh, Brother Wigglesworth, uh, housekeeper, came. Um, he was quite elderly at this time. And, and his wife had passed. And he was just there by himself. And he had a, uh, a woman that would come and clean and cook and a few things. And she answered the door. And he said, I'm here to see... Uh, Brother Wicklesworth, and she kind of pointed upstairs, and uh, he said, "I listened for a moment and I could hear him praying up there. And she, she motioned me to a, a sofa. she said, "Have a seat over here. He'll be down whenever." And so he said, "I sat there for some time for a long time, and then he, I finally I didn't hear any praying for a while, and, and then I heard this uh, steps coming down the stairs, and, and here he was. Brother Wigglesworth, and uh, I was enthralled. He said, you know, as a young man, and here is the elder. And he said, I'm, I'm here. I've got a call to preach, and I and, uh, come to see you. And uh, Brother Wigglesworth said, what's that pride in your life? He, he's thinking, man, what pride? I, did I say anything? Did I say something wrong? You know, what, what did I? And, and Brother Dross had this big class ring on his finger. Big old, big old ring had all jewels the, and it was reflected in the light, you know, because he had accomplished some things in life and he got this big old ring on his finger. And, brother, and he said, well, uh, Brother Wigglesworth, what pride? He said, that big old ring on your finger. He said, if you're going to do anything for God, you've got to get rid of that pride. Look what I've done. <laughs> Amen. He said, that was my introduction to Smith Wigglesworth and, and, and I read about Wigglesworth had, he didn't own a car he would ride public transportation he carried a New Testament with him everywhere he went and this was what I was telling the MIT we started our class this morning with prayer and I said you know spontaneous prayer is I, we started praying and then I felt the spirit of prayer kind of coming into place and, and I said see how easy that was to just spontaneously start praying I said, I know we schedule times of prayer and we have all these schedules and we get so addicted to schedules. I said, but what about, it, what about spontaneous prayer? Where instead of saying, well, let's talk this over, saying let's get down and pray together. I Sister Linda uh, uh, Henwood yesterday and we were talking and her sister Pauline and I and, and uh, sister Jennifer about the funeral arrangements and something that st- stuck out to me is that she said that uh, my grandmother Anderson, Sister Anderson, she said, Brother, one day Brother Baxter went to visit her. She was getting up in years, and he was going to visit. And, uh, and he said, I, I went to up to knock to on the door, and I could hear Sister Anderson in there praying. And uh, he said, I just kind of backed away and just went got my car. Hey, you know, there's something about, about the power of prayer. Hallelujah. And Smith Wigglesworth, uh, he carried that New Testament with him. And and, uh, when he would get on the bus, he didn't just get on the bus and take a seat. He would take his New Testament out and he would put it on the top of his head. Come on, you you, you all that want to be different and say, I don't want to be like everybody else. He would, you know, I hear this. I don't want to be like everybody else. Well, the, look at for, uh, Brother Wigglesworth. He, he would take this New Testament out and he and he put it on the top of his head. And then he would start praying. Now, mind you, he's on a public bus. People are standing holding on and people are sitting down. And he's just starting praying. And then he would start talking in tongues. Yeah, he talked in tongues right there in front of everybody. And then once he got done praying. And, you know, he got the spirit of the Lord in you know, there. He started preaching. He didn't just start preaching right away. He started praying first. Uh, got the spirit of the Lord there. I said, what would happen is if we started spontaneously saying, uh, let's pray. Thank you, amen section. <laughs> what would happen if we started spontaneously saying, hey, let's pray about it. Can you we pray a few, few minutes? Can we pray a few minutes? Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus, let this message go forth and hit to the heart of those who are hearing right now. They prayed together. They joined together in prayer. I was uh, re- reminded of this reading a little journal of Brother uh, James... remember his name now anyhow um, he wrote this journal about the 24 days at the revival in Indianapolis when baptism in Jesus name was um, being preached and LV Roberts and his at the church there were being baptized in Jesus name and when I read in that journal is it started every morning with prayer there was a there was a a, a prayer meeting every morning when everybody got out of bed uh, of course they had breakfast but they had prayer and then there was, they seemed to pray when they got the, at, at the church and they seemed to pray all the time uh, you know sometimes you read it and think wonder when they had time to do anything else but they, they prayed all the time and we have a record of that today and I'm a result of that today Amen I, I, I counted an honor and a privilege that I can trace my baptism baptism in Jesus name all the way back to Frank Ewart. Uh, Some people, they don't write these things down, and maybe it doesn't mean anything to them, but it means a whole lot to me, amen, because I told you before that I love the name of Jesus. I love Acts 2.38, and when I said that, I really mean that, amen, and so uh, my father baptized me in 1968, uh, and he was baptized in 1960, and Sister, uh, Brother Elder, Brother Baxter was baptized, I believe, in 1947 and sister baxter was about 19 years old when she was baptized by sister spillman she was baptized back in the 30s and sister spillman was baptized in 1915 uh, and and Elvie roberts her pastor was baptized in 1915 and, and uh, glenn cook was baptized in 1950 in april or 1914 the year before and by Frank Hewitt, and he baptized Frank Ewart. so it goes all the way back uh, to Frank Ewart. Uh, I'm glad for the revelation uh, of the baptism of the name of Jesus. <clears throat> the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Now, I could take you probably to the street. It's changed a little bit. But it's still similar that my grandmother used to shout and dance up drove by 1214 south 8th street and it's a flat level lot now it's got dumpsters on it and uh, that ground is not holy it's just a place but i said to sister linda sue i said all the things that happened there can you think all the people that were baptized, all the people that received the Holy Ghost, all the healings that were take, that took place there, all the miracles, the financial miracles, the miracles of restoration, the miracles of people coming in and being delivered from drugs and alcohol, all the things that happened. And then I got to thinking, yeah, and uh, down on North J Street, uh, my Grandmother used to shout and dance and my mother re- was baptized there and, and my, she received the Holy Ghost. And then my grandmother on North uh, 19th Street would shout up the street there going toward that. Oh, remember that bridge, Brother John, that old rickety black bridge that had that, that uh, steel um, trestle bridge, that rail bridge going over there before they tore it down of, I think, 1972 or 71, something back in the early 70s. And uh, she was shouting and dancing, going up the hill. Amen. I, I had a Holy Ghost service. Uh, and my mother and my aunt were way back down. You know, they didn't want to be seen. You know, they, they weren't so excited to be seen with my mother. But she had received the blessing. Uh, she was like Wigglesworth. Uh, she got the Holy Ghost. Uh, and it didn't matter. And she didn't care who saw her speak in tongues and shout before the Lord. I like that. I like hearing about how my grandmother uh, on the, I don't know whose car it was, maybe mom knows, but they'd go to fellowship rallies and and, uh, grandma would get so excited on the way home, you know, she'd gotten a blessing and she'd start stomping her feet in the back seat of that car. I forget whose car it was, they'd pull over and say, I'm going to let you out, Sister Crockett, before you stomp a hole in the back, in the floorboard of my car. And that's, that's exact. and that, so they pull over, and Sister Crockett was so excited, she'd be back there stomping around, and, and ooh, hallelujah, talking in tongues and shaking all over. And finally they said, oh, okay, here we go, Sister Crockett, we'll pull over and let you get out. And she'd get out of the car, and she'd stomp around a while and talk in tongues and, and shaking. And then after she got her blessing, she'd get back in the car. I guess it's okay for us to go home now, huh? Is that okay to happen in the 21st century? Would that be okay in 2018 that you received a blessing at church and you're talking in tongues and you said to somebody, pull over to the side of the road. I got to get out and shout right now. Somebody just received the healing. Somebody just received salvation. Somebody just received the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get out and shout right now. Right here, hallelujah. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for healings. I'm thankful for deliverance. I'm thankful for the baptism of the Spirit of God. I'm thankful for the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. That upper room experience, the first result was true fellowship. I told someone on Friday night, I said, the second thing after receiving acts 238 experience is fellowship. I get a little concerned with people who avoid fellowship. You know, I'm just here for the Lord. Well, something's not right. You, we're in this all together, amen. A cell outside of itself is not going to stay alive very long. Amen. So they they found true fellowship. What togetherness. You know, I like to be around people like my grandmother. Yeah. Have you ever been around somebody that's, that's their soul's on fire? And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you've been an old wet rag there for a while. <laughs> Can I say it like that? You've been, a, you've been carnal. You've been in your own, you know, worrying about your own stuff. And, your own, and all of a sudden, somebody over here is on fire. It doesn't take long for me to get dried out. Can I say it like that? I, I suddenly, that, the, the, the flame from their passion and their excitement suddenly dries me out. And I, I'm, I'm joining in the bandwagon. I'm, oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Let me out of this car and I'll shout with you, amen. That's what it should be like. We should influence one another for good. Instead of influencing another one, or one another for evil, we should influence for good. Hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, David said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Call somebody up and say, a Holy Ghost is being poured out at Oak Park Pentecostals. Why don't you join with me? Amen. I, I would, I would want to go and see that. You know, I used to, as a kid, get excited about Sunday night church because, I, you know, I didn't know who was going to stand up and testify or, you know, what they were going to do, and I was an observer. I wouldn't say I was necessarily much of a worshipper, but I was an observer. I was getting some good stuff, and I was uh, seeing brother so and so and sister so and so. I watch. I used to watch. Dad would preach revivals, and we'd go to different churches, and, and you know, some churches they still believed in. Old-fashioned testimony service. I know sometimes you got some odd stuff that people said. It was memorable. You know, it was funny. I had the best laughs I've ever had was in a Pentecostal church. Amen. As mother said, I'm going to have to write a book and uh, change the name to protect the guilty. But when I'd go and I'd see brother so-and-so, I can't remember his name, but he, he liked to testify and preach. And he'd get out in the altar, uh, I mean, out in the aisle, and he, he would just get excited. And You know, other people that had been sitting there with their arms folded, kind of looking at the ceiling, and all of a sudden I see them perk up. You know, when the fire is going on around you, why don't you be a fire? Why don't you be a flame? Why don't you stir up uh, someplace uh, in the area that you're sitting? Amen. They received guidance in the upper room. You know, when you have an upper room experience, you're going to receive guidance from the Holy Ghost. It's going to lead you and guide you, give you direction in your life. You're not just going to be aimlessly wondering or uh, plucking something out of your mind, this is what I think I should do. But as Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will. Tell me what you want to do, Lord. Tell me the direction you want me to go. I think you need to figure out how much time you got left. We all got some time left, and some of us have more time than others, but we don't really have that guarantee. You know, we think we do, but we really don't. So we need to maximize our time. We need to say, God, I I taught on the 80-20 rule this morning, and we really need to maximize what we're doing for the kingdom of God. And I said, you know, the most important thing we can do is really pray. Receiving guidance from the Holy Ghost. Receiving guidance for giving us direction. I I thank God for this church. I thank God that He called me into the ministry and he enabled me. He enabled me with this gift. I thank God for me being the pastor here and leading you. I believe that God's got great things and we're going into the future we are going to, we are alive and well, and we're going to the future. We are alive and well, and we're going to the future. We're not barely hanging on. We're not just hanging on by the skin of our teeth. We're not hanging on by our fingernails. We're not just barely making it. We're not just putting one foot in front of the other. We're not just taking our last final breath. We're not just gasping. We're not just going to barely skate through. We're on our way. As what did brother, uh, uh, um, what did our good brother Bar- Barclay say? He said, Adelante. Can, that, can you say that word with me? Adelante. What's that mean? It means forward. We're going forward. And anytime you get to thinking, well, we're, we're not making any progress or we're just sitting here spinning our wheels, uh, you need to say that word, Adelante. We're going forward. We're going forward in Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is still on the throne. He still heals. He still delivers. He's still on the throne. And he's still working miracles, signs, and wonders in our midst. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's easy to get in a rut. It's easy to get into this complex uh, life that we live and You're just thinking, I'm going to survive. Have you ever thought that? If I can just just make it through the day, if I can just survive. Well, I've had a survival mentality like everybody else at times. But you know what? You have to pick yourself up and say, I'm not just surviving. I'm alive and I'm going forward. As long as there's breath in my body, as long as there's strength in my mind, and I can coherently think, I'm going forward in Jesus Christ. You have to tell yourself that. You have to stir yourself. There was a release of the Holy Ghost in the upper room. You know, the Holy Ghost was poured out. People, someone said one time, you know, all you guys want to do is just shout and dance and run around. And I said, yeah, that's all I want to do. I said, you know, I have a fantasy when I get to heaven. That's all I want to do. I'm going to be able to do it to my heart's content. There's not gonna be, uh, God bless you, you're dismissed in Jesus' name, go home, shake hands, and be friendly. I said, There's gonna be none of that. I'm not gonna have people out there looking at me with their arms folded and saying, What's going on? Everybody, we're all gonna be dancing and shouting around the throne. And I've already got my moves prepared. Hey, I'm going to be around the throne with you or without you. <laughs> Amen. I'm ready to see Jesus. I'm going to be dancing and shouting and praising and magnifying. I might get up there and scream to the top of my lungs, this, so to speak. I don't know how, you know, I'm going to have a new body and all that, but I'm not just going to, holy, I made it, I made it. <laughs> Some of you think you're going to just tiptoe and all dignified and, and hand me my harp and hand me my wings and hand me my halo. I'm, I'm going to go over here and sit down and strum a while. Forget about that. <laughs> I'm going to be woo hoo hoo <laughs> I made it. <laughs> Amen. When I, I'm not going to be dignified in heaven, that's for sure. I won't be worried about you. and I know you won't be worried about me. My eyes and my sight, my focus is going to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to say, Lord, I made it. Here I am. And it's you and me. Amen. I don't know about these other people around here, but it's you and me. Amen. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're wanting. But I want Sunday night all the time. <laughs> That's what I want. Someone said, well, there be peace in the valley for me. I've got peace enough right here. He's the prince of peace in my life. I want joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, hallelujah. I want a shout in my soul. That's what I want. So there's going to be a release. You know, what would happen... If we came on this day of Pentecost here, this Pentecost Sunday, and we, we just decided that we're going to spend 10 days here, and I mean we're just going to rumble the, the heavens with our prayer, vibrate the, the heavens. There would be a release in the Holy Ghost. There would be no mushroom cloud in this earth that could compare to the release of energy that would happen with when people gathered together to pray. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says that when people started praying and the Holy Ghost started moving, something, the fourth thing that happened, there was a special activity of the devil. You know that every time that God starts blessing, the devil starts messing. Someone said it here, I don't know who it was that said it, can't remember, but they said if if there's nothing going on in your life, then perhaps you're not praying and you're not close to God. Yeah? If everything's just going smooth and wonderful in your life and, and you don't have any troubles and trials, you need to check your pulse and see if you're still alive and to see if you've got the Holy Ghost. Because you, if you start praying and you start getting a hold of God, the devil perks up and takes notice. There so be, should be this big old dog in my neighborhood, and, and he would, he, uh, for some reason, the neighbor didn't chain him up, and he was a mean dude. And uh, we would always kind of peek around the fence to see if he was sleeping on the porch. And, you know, then we were like... And we'd walk by making sure that we didn't do anything untoward because I didn't want him to open his eye like this. I didn't want him to lift his head. You know, and that's what happens when the Spirit of God gets moving. Suddenly the devil wakes up and says, hey, wait a minute, that's my property and that's my territory. I'm the one that got it and now those people think they're free. And so you get some activity. But you know, greater is he, greater is he, Greater is he, somebody say it with me, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. And so when the devil starts messing, God starts blessing even more, amen? The Holy Ghost starts being poured out even more. This is war that we're a part of. Amen. I don't know what you're a part of, but this is war. We are in a warfare. We are at war. Someone said, I came to church just to find peace. Well, you will find the pits of peace in your heart. But get ready, war is happening. That's why we come here. We come here to get energized and encouraged so we can take the battle back out into the world. Amen. That's why you should never miss a service. These people are sitting home and with their feet propped up saying, well, you know, I'm tired tonight. You better get to church because your strength and your help comes from the Lord. And then when you're on your elbows and crawling, dragging yourself to church, you know, barely get to the front door. Well, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. When you did come to church, you didn't worship God like you should have and get the Holy Ghost in filling, but you stayed away and you, and you overslept, or I don't know, you had an ingrown toenail or something happened in your life. Amen? And you stayed home. You know, getting to church isn't the most important thing. I told someone, I said, well, we're one of the few churches in eastern central Indiana. That has a sunday morning and sunday night and i said as long as i'm pastoring we're not going to change sunday morning and sunday night i said because i love church i believe in having church i believe you should go to church amen We used to have more church than we have now. Remember the old days? We had Tuesday night. We had Thursday night. We had Friday night youth service, and I ended up going. And then we had Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then the pastor would call a revival, and we had every night of church. We just decided we're going to. And my grandfather used to say to my grandmother, why don't you just take your bed down there? You're down there all the time. That's a good idea. I think I will. Amen. Amen. That'd be kind of nice, but maybe it wouldn't be so nice. <laughs> Amen. The fifth result of the upper room experience was, and I'm coming to a close, was a mighty spread of the gospel. Some of us need to start carrying a New Testament around like Brother Wigglesworth. I, maybe I need to revisit this again, Sister Carmel. Remember that time you prayed for that individual at Myers? Was it Myers? Yeah, they had a need and they... He saw them. They were, had not come to church for a while and they were expressing a need. And he said, Can I pray for you? And they said, Yeah. And maybe they were thinking that you'll request prayer you know, at church and I'll pray for some brother so and so. You know, those are said, excuse me for being so irre, uh, irreverent, but that's so dead, dry, and boring. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but because the fire has already gone out. You, I can't even many times I can't even people say will you pray for me and I'll say yeah let me pray for you right now because I promise you I'll probably forget tomorrow yeah, and unless the Holy Ghost reminds me I most likely will forget let's pray right now why can't you pray right now in the store everybody knows where you go to church anyhow what's the big deal we live in a small town. We know just about everybody in this town, don't we? Or most everybody. And so they know who you are when they see you in the grocery store. They know that you go to Oak Park Pentecostals. So quit, quit trying to be incognito and hide behind the, you know, the end cap on the, on the store. Just go ahead and be an apostolic. If someone says I need prayer, just lay hands on them and pray for them. That's apostolic. I remember the first time. Uh, one of the first times I can remember doing that, we were at Taco Bell, and and uh, we were sitting there eating, and Dad was sitting next to me, and the, uh, another pastor was sitting across, and somebody came by and said, "Oh, pastor, I, I my stomach's just really, uh, you know, I, I'm got pains, and I'm not feeling good," and and so with, uh, instead of saying, "Well, we'll pray for you next Sunday or Wednesday or whenever the next service is," I think it was Sunday night, uh, they, we just got up, and I I wasn't the leader in this. Uh, Little event but the pastors got up and laid hands and I mean they didn't just pray little lay me down to sleep prayers they shook him a little bit amen you know good old apostolic fake chicken hallelujah (laughs) give whiplash they shook him a little bit and one uh, that one pastor was going hallelujah Lord touch him Lord I'm looking around the Taco Bell saying well man we'd have a church at Taco Bell (laughs) Looked over and somebody's biting down on the burrito like, what's going on over there? This is that. Didn't the apostle Peter say, this is that? You know, if we start acting apostolic, suddenly people will start asking, what does this mean? What's going on? The reason there's no conversation is because we're not doing what God called us to do. Let your light shine. Let the Holy Ghost shine out. Amen. Is this okay? Is it okay to pray for somebody at a restaurant, Taco Bell? Is it okay to pray for somebody at Myers? Amen. Is it okay to pray for somebody at a convenience store? Is it okay to minister to someone at the hospital? Perhaps you meet somebody and they say, well, I I know you, you know, you know them and and so and so has been sick. And you say, oh, I didn't know it. And you say, well, we really need prayer. And And saying, yeah, we'll pray for you. Why don't you grab the hand right there and say, let me pray right now in Jesus name. Let's agree together and see what God will do. Don't let your unbelief or doubt interfere. Well, I don't know, you know, this is not church. and You know, I, my, my prayers, I don't know if God will hear my prayer. You know, all these things and the thoughts come to your mind. You need to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. I'm talking, this is Pentecost Sunday. I want to be Pentecost. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, if you would, with me this morning. The upper room experience. Now, Sister Holt didn't, she hasn't had her cognitive ability for a little bit now. I don't know, Sister Pauline, maybe six, eight months. It's been a while. Since. And she really has lost, lost at the end, her ability to acknowledge who people were. But I re- up until that point, if you said Sister Holt, let's pray. Take a hold of her hand and she would start praying. And it didn't take her 15 minutes worth of prayer to start talking in tongues. I promise. I've, I've got experience with this several times. I said, let's pray, Sister Holt," And she'd start praying, and then next thing you know, she's talking in tongues. And she's shaking. Amen. Amen. Her husband was a man of prayer. He's been gone now from, for five years. And uh, Sister Linda Sue said, my, I used to hear my mom and dad praying than praying together but he would do the same thing if you start praying with him he'd start talking in tongues and, and he would want to shake amen some of us need to stir ourselves shake ourselves you got the Holy Ghost I got the Holy Ghost what does it matter let's praise God and allow the presence of God to come into our hearts because this is Pentecost Sunday every day is Pentecost Day amen